It's a, a movie set in the, uh, the 30s and 40s, um, fairly recent about it. It was an Olympic 5,000 metre runner, Louis Zamperini. Um, joined the US Army in World War II, plane crashed, spent about 47 days adrift in the Pacific, picked up by the Japanese Navy, was a prisoner of war for two years, um, and it, it ends, it's this sort of arc of forgiveness. You know, he returns to Japan in 1998 um, as a torchbearer for the Olympics. Um, it, it, look, it's, it's a pretty incredible and um, gut-wrenching movie, but a fascinating part about Louis's life that, he, that the movie misses out is um, he suffered some really immense psychological issues when he went back to the States afterwards. Um, his life went from this incredible high. He was a, a US w record setter for the 5,000 metres um, into being a prisoner of war. Back at some semblance of order, but he, um, he fell into alcoholism and violence. And um, It wasn't until a, a Billy Graham crusade event in 1950 that he... He basically turned his life around, recommitted to, to Christ, quit drinking, got himself some help, uh, and ultimately he actually went on to become a, a Christian international evangelist. Um, he went about teaching forgiveness to at-risk youth, trying to help them move past the issues in their, uh, their history. I raise it because a couple of years before he died, um, he offered this perspective. He said, Billy Graham preached that night that all God asks of men is faith. Sometimes what we see as a loss turns out in the end to be a gain, and sometimes a gain is a loss. I try not to be too swift to pass judgment on any situation, preferring instead to be patient and take the long view, because I believe that in the end all things work together for good. Faith, it is the bond that ties us together. It's a, a type of humility, a type of trust. It's an obedience, which really is, it is unique to our Christian community. We believe that we are justified, that we are made right before God, not by our own strength or deeds, but by our faith that Jesus Christ was the one and only Son of God who came to earth, died, and rose again as a sacrifice for all. We know that when faith is activated, mountains will jump into the sea. Fire will not singe a single hair on your head. That the dead will rise. So my question today is, what does it actually mean to have faith? What do we have faith for? How do we move from the description in Hebrews 11 that Pastor Ward spoke on last week that faith is um, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen? How do we move from that into realising, into bringing to life the promise and the power of God's involvement in our lives? So I want to talk today about the process of faith, how we come to unlock it, how we come to realise it and bring it to life. And I think there's four stages to it. And as we unpack them today, I want to weave through some reflections out of Luke chapter 7 and Hebrews chapter 11. I think stage one is this, it's reflecting, first and foremost. You need to know what God promised in His Word and through His works. So I really believe that faith is an instrument. 
right? It's not the cause of our hope. It's not some, you know, like a, a multivitamin that will fix all your problems if you just pick the right one. It, faith is the organ. It's a muscle. Right? It's the process by which we discern the supernatural. Faith is how we identify the divine. And just like any other muscle or organ, you can exercise it. Right? You can train it. You can strengthen it. Or you can neglect it. Strengthening faith is what gives us the endurance to stay fixed on Christ when the world seems to be crashing down around us. And faith, it's not something that just comes out of thin air. You know, it's not like when you walk through the church doors on a Sunday, you get 200 faith credits dropped into your account. All right? It's something you need to work on. Demonstrating faith it means you need to live in God's transformation. To reflect means meditating on the Word and walking in the community that He's established. So Colossians chapter 3 says this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. He goes on in verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. I think Hebrews 11, which Pastor Ward spoke on last week, it, it's sometimes referred to by theologians as the faith hall of fame. Right? It goes on about some of the incredible faith warriors throughout history in the Old Testament. Um, you know, it talks about the proof and the works of God that people can draw on to take strength. It's um, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, um, Rahab, Gideon. The list goes on. It's, it's a long list of all these incredible faith warriors. Uh, and the point is to reiterate and to assure you that where you are right now in your own individual journeys you're actually coming in relatively late in God's overall transformation of humankind. He's been working since before time to put all the pieces in place to redeem mankind. He's been working to prepare the way for your personal sanctification. All of history. That said, Jesus came and died for all mankind, but if mankind was just one person, he would have come and done it regardless. God is there working to sanctify and to a and to move. And so faith is an idol. And that's the first part as we reflect on it. Faith is, um, it's not some naive or some wishful hope. Faith is the tool, it's the organ to help us understand more nearly and more clearly the purpose and intent God has for our lives. So the first part to the process of faith that I, I, I can't emphasize enough is you've got to read your Bible. You've got to meditate on, you've got to surround yourselves with teachers, with confidants, with brothers and sisters in Christ. Faith requires reflection. You have to see where you come into this journey that God set mankind on. That brings me to the second stage of faith, and that's confessing. You need to declare that achieving God's purpose in your life is far more than the physical world can ever provide. You can't tap into it just out of your own strengths. 
I think this is a tricky one for some people because it, it can feel at times like um, faith contradicts science or faith works against reason, and it, it doesn't. Sometimes faith can go beyond science and can go beyond reason. So scholars can prove that the Bible is a uniquely impactful book in modern uh, history. It's reached more people than any other book. It's influenced Western thought, it's influenced laws and legal structures. You can prove that part. Faith takes us beyond, though. It takes us beyond this literal assessment and leads us into a place of trust that the Bible is actually the Word of God and that its promises and teachings are supernatural and they're real. In Luke chapter 7, um, Christ continues to do some incredible and amazing things. Uh, he saves a six-centurion slave from the point of death. He literally raises a widow's son from the dead. Um, he, look, he engages in some smack talk with Pharisees as he moves through and uh, as a woman's washing his, hair, his uh, feet with her hair and oil. But the story of the centurion slave is a really interesting one in this because it speaks directly to the idea of confessing that what you want is beyond what the physical can provide. In Luke chapter 7, verse 6 to 7, it says this, And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore I do not presume to come to you, but you say the word and let my servant be healed. And Jesus goes on to say in verse 9 that not even in Israel has he seen such faith. And so that should be a trigger for us to really pay attention to what's happened here. If Jesus is calling this out as an example of faith. The first one is the centurion knew that it really wouldn't be appropriate or it wouldn't fly for such a, a prominent Jewish rabbi to come to the home of a Gentile. So he literally set out to meet him halfway. Right? He thought, he reflected, he meditated on the practical implications of what he was asking. And he didn't wait for a solution to literally just turn up at his door. He didn't attempt to rely on his past deeds to help him out either. Earlier on in Luke 7, it talks about how this centurion was, um, he was well regarded. He helped local community build synagogues. He was a kind ruler. Um, but you see here, the centurion didn't try and um, claim he had credit or he deserved God's involvement in his life. He asked honestly and purely just for help. And the final part is he didn't try to do it alone. He was humble enough to ask for help from the rabbis and local community to say, look, uh, I'm, I may not be persuasive enough. I need you to come together with me on this. And so when it comes to confessing our need in Christ, I really feel that faith and humility have to go hand in hand. Because bear in mind, God's not some anesthesiologist, right? He's not going to knock you out with laughing gas. You'll wake up six hours later and you'll just be fully transformed. This is a process that is going to work through your life as frustrating as that may be. All right, he is very much concerned with what we go through. But I think he's more concerned with how we react to what we go through because that's the part that's going to determine whether you just get up and walk from being lame 
or whether you need to wander in a desert for 40 years. It's how you react to what God wants to do in your life. We can either, we can either lean into that unknown or we can fall back on our own strength and say, you know what, I, I am going to trust that the physical world can do this alone. So part two is confessing, which brings us on to the third stage, and, and I think that's seeking. It has to be that earnestly going after God. It's really getting out of your comfort zone. It's in prayer and in deed, asking God to come into your life. There's a, a great quote by, um, by C.S. Lewis that I, I like. He, he said, to have faith in Christ means, of course, trying to do all that he says. There'd be no point in saying to a person that you trusted him if you would not take his advice. Thus, if you really handed yourself over to Christ, it must follow that you're trying to obey him. But trying in a new way, a less worried way, not trying to do things in order to be saved, but because he has begun to save you already. Not hoping to get into heaven as a reward for your actions, but inevitably wanting to act a certain way because the first faint gleam of heaven is already in you. How incredible is that? That's, that's seeking after God, that's being transformed. Now, in Luke 7, um, verse 70, that centurion said, simply say the word and my servant will be healed. Right? He knew that what Jesus was offering isn't some kind of magic trick. He knew that Jesus had authority to speak and that things would change. It was a faith that was free from any sense of rituals or magic or, or um, reliance. It, it was pure in motivation and trust. Seeking, that's what compelled the centurion to walk out of his house and go and meet Jesus halfway. Seeking is what compelled Noah to go and build the ark. Seeking is what compelled Abraham to take Isaac to the top of that mountain. Faith means that we are compelled to action. You can't just sit around. You have to take that step out and go after God. You see, sanctification, um, that process of um, becoming more and more like Christ it's not some sort of like theme park fast pass, all right? It's not like it allows you to jump the queue, you get all the riches, you get the, the pleasures of life that come. That's not how it works. Faith is a process of transformation as individuals and as a society. And our personal transformation, look, it'll continue for the 80-odd the years of our lives, but the social transformation is still going. And so the legacies of what you set in motion may still continue for a hundred, a thousand more years to come. So faith requires reflection and faith requires action. Which inevitably means that the final stage in the process of faith, if you've reflected, if you've confessed and if you're now seeking, has to be persistent. You don't know the twists and the turns that God's going to throw in front of your life. You, you need a sense of determination and, and resilience in your faith. I'm a Brisbane Lions fan, right? I know, 
very well what it means to have persistence in my faith. We will have our three-peat again, Joe. Faith doesn't mean you can't feel. You, you will feel as you go through, as you seek, as you encounter these twists and these turns. It, the Bible itself talks about Jesus feeling frustrated or distressed, uh, confused. Faith isn't about being unemotional. It's not saying that you need to be some sort of robot who just accepts what the Bible says and you move on with your life regardless. Christ had feelings, but the difference, and I think this is so important for us in the persisting, is that he took those feelings into his relationship with the Father. Right? He recognised, he owned those emotions. And that's what makes him, that's what makes us real and authentic when you can admit that you're going through something right now and this is, this is beyond what's just in front of you. You can't be truly committed. I, I really don't think you can be truly vulnerable and be open to change unless you acknowledge that you need to persist and that it may well be very bloody hard to go through that. All right, Muhammad Ali famously said, to be a champion, the will must be stronger than the skill. All right, incredible. And in Luke 7 and Hebrews 11, they describe two types of victory. You've got victory over circumstances, and you've got victory under circumstances. And this is a really important part to take away because sometimes our hopes, they're not aligned with the plans or the timings of God. Sometimes at long last, you know, we, we do get that breakthrough, that transformation in, in our health or in our finances or in our battles. Our reflection and our confession and our seeking brings us to a breakthrough and a victory over circumstances. And you have a look at uh, verses 33 to 35. It talks through... Um, conquering kingdoms, enforcing justice, stopping the mouths of lions, quenching the power of fire, putting foreign armies to flight, receiving back your dead. These are some incredible examples of victory over circumstances where people had faith that they stepped through, that they sought God with everything in their mind and they went after victory over circumstances. But sometimes, sometimes that doesn't come to pass or at least not the way we think it will. You got that in Hebrews 35 to 38. Uh, it goes on to say that yet some of these faith warriors that it's been talking about as incredible people in faith, they were tortured, they refused to accept release, they were chained, they were imprisoned, stoned, they went about in the skins of sheep and goats. Hebrews 11 reminds us that the process of faith is not to make us more comfortable in our earthly homes. We are called to a heavenly destination. You think back on Louis Zamperini's life from the movie Unbroken. You know, he barely knew whether he was up or down or here or there, but he took the long view, believing that in the end, and this is in the end end, all things will work together for good. So persistence has to be the final stage in a process of faith. Persistence is what gives meaning to your reflection, to your confession, to your seeking. Persistence means you've shifted your mindset from wishing and hoping to committing, to striving. It means you are actually being transformed 
forging new pathways, as Pastor Ward mentioned last week. So I'll end with this. Moving from the assurance of things hoped for, from the, the conviction of things not seen in Hebrews 11.1, 1, into the realised promise and power of God. That's the process of faith. That's moving from thinking into realising. It's a process we can't do alone. It's a process you can't do without humility. And it's a process you can't do without allowing yourself to be vulnerable to Christ and to one another. We have to be open to the twists and turns that may not make sense. But the good news, and this is good news, is God's given us the tools for this job. He's given us endless examples of His promises fulfilled. He's given us a community of loving brothers and sisters here right now who will walk with us. He gives us daily these new opportunities to to confess His power and to seek His relationship. And above all else, through Jesus, He's given us the conquered grave. That's incredible. If the, the warriors of old can do all of that just off verbal stories, and we have the cross to hold on to, how incredible is that for our journey? That's the process of faith. That's what takes you from wishing to doing to being transformed. Amen, amen, and amen. Thanks, Pastor. Fantastic. Let's give Josh a big hand. What a great message. Tremendous. Why don't we stand right now? Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to uh, just going to think for a minute about that message. If you want to close your eyes. What's God saying to you? And we speak here because we're, we're communicating God's message, God's word. And God is speaking to you today. What's He saying? Maybe you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour. And He's calling you to a, that first step of faith to put trust in Him. Maybe you're away from God at the moment for whatever reason drifted away, you've walked away, something's happened, but you're hearing He's calling you back today, a step back towards Him, back into relationship, back into trust. Or maybe you're going through a challenging situation at the moment, you feel like giving up, and uh, God is saying to you, no, you, you can persevere, I'm giving you the strength, I'm giving you the stamina, I'm giving you the determination, not in your own strength, but in my strength, as you trust and rely in me. You will make it through. You will come out the other side. Things will work together for good. God is speaking to you here today. Whatever He's saying, I want you to do it. Step out, as Josh said, in trust, in obedience. You watch what He does. He's going to move in your world. He's going to bring transformation. And all things will work together for your good in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you feel like God is asking you to make that first commitment of faith, you need to pray a prayer. We'd love to lead you in that prayer. 
So just come up the front at the end or speak to someone, say, I want to pray that prayer. You can speak to Josh, speak to myself. If you want to come back to Christ, just come and see us. We'd love to lead you in that prayer, but it's your decision. You, You need to take that first step. No one can compel you. Or if you're wanting prayer for a particular situation, uh, then you can come to the front and Katarina will be down the front, whoever sees a prayer ministry, and uh, she can pray for you. But whatever God's saying to you, this week, act, step, trust. You watch what He does. Amen? Amen. Let's give the Lord a great big hand. Hopefully you can hang around, see you out in the cafe. Don't forget Pathfinders, every woman, information out there. Have an awesome week. We love you. Encourage someone today and uh, God bless you. Don't forget Next Step, those that are doing Next Step out in the uh, multi-purpose room at in 15 minutes. We'll see you there. God bless you. Amen.
God for 